So we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and so far we've talked about love, joy, and peace, and today we're going to look at patience, and uh, maybe patience in a way that we've never really considered, or perhaps we have. But I can remember in 2011, Eric and I took the kids to Yosemite. We were living in Southern California, and we had been invited by some friends to go camping in Yosemite for a week, and all we had to prepare was, and to bring our stuff, was our Toyota Matrix. If you haven't seen our Toyota Matrix, we still have it. Just a hatchback Toyota Matrix. And so we stuffed the two kids back there and we loaded it to the brim. I mean, to the brim. To the point when we stopped to get um, some, some ice for our ice chest and we opened up the, the trunk, a Toyota dealer came over and took a picture of it because he wanted to show people how much stuff you could fit in the back. <laughs> and the kids were just jammed in the back seats. It was summertime, it was hot. You know, we threw, you know, sleeping bags on top of them, and Erica had stuff squished in on her in the front seat. It was hot. It was uncomfortable. Um, all of us were, were just tired of being in this sweaty car, and it wasn't all bad. I mean, we tried to play games, and we kept on talking about how great it would be when we got to Yosemite. But admittedly, my patience was wearing thin as I kept on hearing from the, the back seat, are we there yet? How much longer, Dad? And... It was sweaty and gross. <laughs> and sometimes life on this earth, especially in the midst of our impatient culture, can feel like a long, sweaty, uncomfortable car ride that is just testing our patience. And some of us just feel like, I'm on the, break, the, the brink of losing it right now. I mean, Free Christian Church, we just, we just saw the video, has been here for, for 172 years. And Christ Church has been existing um, in existence for 2000, over 2,000 years. We're going to look at that today. And some of us might be asking the question, how much longer, Lord? How much longer? So how do we cope with this tension? Well, as Christians, we're called to wait patiently for the return of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit by being Christ's witnesses in our everyday. So if you're not there, go ahead and turn to Acts Chapter 1, we're going to look at 1.11. I just want to give you a little context on the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by Luke, and it's really an extension of his gospel. So he references the gospel of Luke. And so Christ has been crucified, he has been resurrected, and Luke picks up on the story when Jesus is walking around and spending time with the disciples at that point. And so we read Acts in a historic context. This is the historic context of the church. This is our history as the church. And so today what I want to do is I just want to look at the beginning part of Acts. And I want to explore the past accomplishments, the present ministry, and the future return of Jesus Christ and cultivate this enduring, hopeful, fruitful patience. So let me pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we come to you right now and we just ask for the fullness of your Holy Spirit to reveal the things that we do not know. Speak to us through your word. Illuminate your truth to us. We thank you for what you've done. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we see is fruitful patience looks at the past accomplishments of Jesus Christ. And we see that the past accomplishments are informed directly by the actions and teachings of Jesus. Verse 1, Luke writes, In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote all about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. 
So we have to ask ourselves, what did Jesus do and teach? And what does that mean for us? Well, Jesus taught about the kingdom of God or God's sovereign rule over creation. And he inaugurated his kingdom through, the, through patient suffering. Jesus patiently suffered ridicule, reproach, insults, persecution, and death for us. And as we consider what Christ has done and what he taught through his patient suffering, we as his disciples are called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and be willing to patiently suffer with others. When I was a kid, my mom was a nurse and she used to bring my immunizations home, my shots home. And I hated, I hated needles. I still do. I did not like getting shots. And she would go and I couldn't understand, why does my mom want to get, why does she want to hurt me so much? And she would say, Brian, it's for your own good. Believe me, if you don't get this, you're going to get even, even more, you're going to get sick. And so here's the thing. I had to trust my mom. And this kind of patient suffering that we're called to patiently suffer with others because we see and we model what Christ has done is only possible when we develop a conviction about the faithfulness of God on our behalf. Here's the thing. God wants the best for you. Do you believe that? Do you truly believe in your heart that God wants the best for you? Here's the thing. He has proven that with his son. Christ died on a cross. We were separated from God. See, God created this world, and in Genesis 1.31, he said, this is good, this is very good, my creation is perfect. But we rebelled against God, and sin enters in the world. And there's this separation from God, and God is perfectly loving, but he's perfectly just, and he's got to do something about this. Our sin needs to be punished, because God is a just God. So what does he do? He sends his one and only son, the eternal son, steps down from heaven, lives a perfect and righteous life. And he dies on the cross. He suffers. He suffers ridicule. He suffers physical pain. But he suffers emotional and spiritual pain as he feels and he bears the weight of our sin on the cross. It's the first time that the spotless, sinless son had ever felt sin. Not his sin, but our sin. And he feels the wrath of the father. He had this eternal love relationship with the Father, and he feels this wrath. Why? Because of us. Because sin must be punished. And he dies. But he's resurrected three days later. And when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we too are resurrected to new life, and God sees us in this perfect love. He sees us as righteous because of the righteous acts that Jesus has done. God wants the best for you. And he proves that in Jesus Christ. We see that fruitful patience is rooted in the historic evidence of Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, After this suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. The, 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 the idea here is that these are large amounts of extremely convincing and factual evidence. He appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke is making this overt claim that can be refuted by people who personally witness these claims. See, Luke is saying, when as he's writing this, he's saying, listen, you've seen these proofs. This resurrection is real. And he's writing to people who can say, no, it's not, Luke. You're making this all up. The magnitude of this claim is unmatched in history. 
We're saying that, this is, this is Luke's claim. He's saying that the God who is not bound in time and space went and bound himself in time and space and suffered with us, for us, on our behalf. There's no other claim. There's no other deity that claims that. Jesus is unmatched in that. And here's the thing. Jesus' historic existence is really not in debate among scholars. People will say, yeah, there's a guy who lived and he was a historic Jesus. That guy existed. It's the deistic claims that are debated. And yet these are the claims that Luke is highlighting. He's saying, listen, this Christ is the risen Savior. This is God. He showed it to you. He proved it to you. He walked among you. And he gives this evidence. He presents this evidence so that critics of the day and critics right now could go ahead and attempt to attack that. And yet it stands up. I spent a little time um, in working in communications, uh, telecommunications in my life. And one of the security principles is any sort of security algorithm that you come up with, you, it's, it's public knowledge. You actually you put it up there for, for public criticism. The whole point is that you want to have strong security. You want people to try to um, find holes in your security and your, the algorithms within your security so that if they do find something, you go ahead and fix it and come up with another algorithm, if you will. Here, Luke, he's saying, he's like, here you go. Here's all the evidence. Do something about it. And it's been 2,000 years, and nothing has been done about it because it's unbreakable. We believe in something that actually happens. People have tried to take him out, but the efficacy of Christ's accomplishments are rock solid. Therefore, we can patiently endure knowing in Christ, the rock, we cannot be taken out. We need to stop worrying about what people think and thrive in this patient boldness. See, patience in the Christian context isn't passive, it's active. We see that Fruitful patience is cultivated on waiting for the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father, my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows that the disciples are fearful and they're skittish. At this point in time, they have not been indwelt or filled with the Holy Spirit. And he knows they're getting ready to bolt as soon as he leaves. And he says, wait. Wait, because something awesome is going to happen. It's going to be so awesome. And we see that something awesome does happen. We turn one chapter over to, to chapter 2, Acts 2, and it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that they, they, each of us hears them in our native tongues. Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, 
Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And what it means is that this is the birth of Christ's church, consummated by the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of those that have put their faith and trust in Christ. And there's a boldness associated with that. You see, we manifest God's kingdom because he dwells and is inside of us. And we see that happening here. This is our history, guys. I can remember as a Marine, history was a big deal. They would make you learn all about the history of the Marine Corps. And I never really got why do they want to, like, why do we focus so much on history? Because there's resiliency when you know your history and the people that went before you. And it's the same thing in the faith when we realize that this is our history. People have walked before us in the power of the Holy Spirit. It started 2,000 years ago and it was handed 172 years ago to the people of Free Christian Church. And now it's ours. And it's been handed to us. The question is, is what are we going to do with it? And God has placed you, each and every one of you, at Free Christian for a purpose. And some of us struggle with that. We go, what am I here for? You got me at this church. You saved me. I know that. But why am I here? I don't get it. And you struggle with purpose. If you struggle with purpose, it's time to wait patiently. Listen for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And see what reason he's placed you here. Because he has a reason. You are here for a purpose. I'm going to invite you tonight. We have a prayer gathering at our, at our, at our campus in Andover at 6 o'clock. And so I just want to invite you to come and just listen. And just hear from God. So that's the first thing. Second thing. Fruitful patience lives in the present ministry of Jesus Christ. We see that fruitful patience is day-to-day ministry. Verse 6 says, they, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. The disciples are still thinking in terms of Jesus is going to bring back this nationalistic glory. The good old days are coming back. And so he says, Hey, they say, Are you going to bring back the kingdom? And what does Jesus tell them? He says, it's none of your business. That's what he says. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about the times and the dates of when I'm coming back. You see, he gets a couple of things. One, they have a very narrow mind of the kingdom of God. And two, he's saying, just focus on what I've given you for today and the ministry that I've given you for today. And you can get lost Sometimes when you just think about these things instead of just seeing what's right in front of you. A few years ago, I mentioned this before, but Eric and I like to go wine tasting. And we were going up to Santa Barbara County and we were driving. It's my first time ever going in that direction. And um, we're going through some mountains. And I'm like, we got to check into the hotel by 3 o'clock. So we're not stopping. We're not going to have fun on the way up there. We're just going. Some of you are laughing because you're the same way. And as we're driving through this natural beauty, Erica's like, look at that. Look at this. 
She's like, let's pull over. I'm like, no, we got to be at the hotel at 3 o'clock. She's like, you're missing out on all of this. And she was right. On the way back, I actually did stop at some of those sites, and we were able to enjoy it. But sometimes we just don't feel what's Yes. So we go in. So we go and we, sometimes we just, we're so focused on this, this thing. We, we just, we don't focus on what's right in front of us, the ministry that God has put in front of us. And we're so impatient. We're focused on what we think our role in the kingdom should be instead of what kingdom opportunities God has placed right before us. John 4, 35 says, I tell you, your eyes I tell, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. God has placed all of us in the middle of a harvest field and wants us to patiently work it every single day. And as we do this, we must remember that fruitful patience, fruitful patience is a supernatural ministry. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The ministry placed before us is not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we minister, minister to people in our everyday lives, we need to ask and pray for fruitful patience. Because here's the thing about people. They're weird and they know how to push your buttons. Right? I mean, let's face it. We can be weird. And we can push each other, other's buttons. I think the closer you are to someone, probably the, the buttons you know how to push even more. In 2010, I was, I was in Afghanistan and we worked in a very small, tight it was really like a metal box. And I worked with five other guys in this metal box. And there was this guy that I worked with named Franklin. And Franklin, I don't, he, everything about him annoyed me. And he was kind of, he kind of knew how to push my buttons and he purposely would push my buttons. He knew exactly what to say and what would bother me. And so he would kind of just grind it in there. And I struggled with that. But we must, we must remember that the kingdom of God is not taken by force, but by patient forbearance and love. Part of our ministry is to tolerate the shortcomings of people. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. So how do we do this? Well, I had to come to a realization with Franklin, and, and I think we as a people, when we are confronted with these things, we have to understand that impatience has its roots in pride. At some point, we think we're better than somebody else. Like, I don't have the same problems as them. I'm not that annoying as them. I'm not like this. But the fact is, is you are, and we are. We have our shortcomings. We need to remember that we have shortcomings and that God bears with us every single day and transforms us through those things. We also have to understand that, yes, we do have gifts and God has gifted us with certain things that other people do not have, but it's a gift. And it's not for the glory of ourselves, but for the glory of God that we exercise these gifts. We're called to steward these gifts, not hold it over or lord it over somebody. We also see fruitful patience as a commitment to everyday ministry. Continuing, it says, and you will be my witnesses. Now, sometimes the word witness gets misconstrued and what that means. It's really kind of a legal connotation. It's somebody who sees something and then gives testimony about it. It's not just, I saw it. It's, I saw it and I'm going to speak about it. 
So <clears throat> we're called to, you're called to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When we got to Yosemite, the kids would come up to me. They would say, Dad, I'm bored. I'm like, you're in the middle of Yosemite. There's a river right there. How can you be bored? Go play in the river. Who cares if you have a life jacket? Just go, you know. Here's the thing. Complacency produces boredom, which kills mission. And we are God's plan A. Every believer is an agent of Christ's kingdom and our call to be an everyday missionary. Wherever you've been placed, you're a missionary. You are extending God's kingdom. You are a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we could reach the ends of the earth from our, one of our bedrooms if we're on the internet. Erica teaches Chinese kids online every single day. She's a witness to the ends of the earth. Some of you guys travel. Some of you guys are right here and you come across the floor. God has put someone in front of you. The fact is, is we are missionaries for God, every single one of us. The question is, are you committed to your missionary calling? This summer, some of you guys are going to be moving, and we're going to miss you. Some of you guys are going to volunteer at VBS. Some of you guys are going to go on vacation. Some of you are going to go nowhere and just work all summer. But God has put people in your life. So would you please stand up at this time? Go ahead, stand up. Let me commission you at this moment as everyday missionaries for God. So let us pray. Father, may your hands of blessing be upon your missionaries here at Free Christian Church here in North Andover. Give them the words. May they minister by the power of your Holy Spirit. May they work the harvest. May they work the harvest, not for their glory, but for your glory. May they patiently, in boldness, be a witness to you wherever you have placed them. Go with them. They are there for a reason, your reason and your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now go and work the harvest. Go ahead and sit down. We can work the harvest after service. <laughs> Listen, as you go this summer, as you, go, as you walk outside of this church, remember you are a missionary. You're a missionary. Yeah, and your mission field might be sitting right next to you. It might be across the table. It might be across town. It might be across the globe. But nonetheless, you're a missionary. I want to encourage you that when you have these things come up, that you, you uh, email me and you talk to me about what God is doing in your life. Because he's doing something. God's a transformational God, and he's doing something. And so I want to hear that, and I want to share that congregation. So email me. Let's talk. Let's edify each other in how God is working in your life as an everyday missionary for God. Now, in order to persevere in your missionary task, you need hope. And that leads me to my final point. Fruitful patience finds hope in the future return of Jesus Christ. We see that fruitful patience is focused on the loveliness of Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sights. They were looking intently. They were fixed on Christ up into the sky and he was going. Fruitful patience looks 
at the loveliness of Jesus Christ. Here, here's the, the disciples, and Jesus is ascending before their eyes. And you can imagine, Jesus had walked with them. They saw him crucified. They saw him resurrected. They were walking with him 40 days. And they're just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And they're just enjoying him. And Jesus is like, hey, you think it's awesome now? Wait till my Holy Spirit indwells you, that my actual spirit indwells you. You, want it, you think I'm lovely now? Just wait. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We're just glad that you're here. And all of a sudden, they start, he starts to ascend in front of their eyes. And they're looking. And you can imagine the, the, the anxiety. Like, they just want to look. They want to look, and they want to look until they finally, and they're straining their eyes. They're probably on their tippy toes. Like, he's got to be there somewhere. Their eyes are fixed on Jesus. Maybe this has happened to you, and you've had an inoculation of this. I know for me, when I would leave for deployment, Erica would drop me off, and as the bus would pull away, I would look. I would look, and I would try to just have a glance as much as I possibly could to the very end where my neck is straining and my eyes are squinting. And this is what the disciples are doing with Jesus. The fact is, is Christ is so lovely. When we stare at his, be his beauty, nothing else matters. Do you notice that? When you see something beautiful, and nothing else matters. Everything just fades away in the background. And Christ is that beautiful. He's that lovely. But we only see his loveliness when we patiently spend time with him. When we patiently spend time with him. We spend time with him in prayer. We listen to him. Maybe it's through his word. Maybe you spend time with him and you go for a walk. And you just enjoy that he is the agent of creation and he created all of these things and you thank him for it and you're communing with him. Maybe it's when you're showing your kid or reading your kid a bedtime story at night and you're just thanking him for what he's given you and just the goodness. Nonetheless, we're called to spend time with him. And this keeps things in perspective and it allows us to endure when we stare at the loveliness of Jesus Christ. Everything else doesn't matter and everything else is, is put in their proper perspective. So I have to ask you, how's your time lately been with him? You spending time with them? Fruitful patience is focused on the consummation of the kingdom of Christ. You see, when Christ died on the cross and he was resurrected and we received the Holy Spirit, it inaugurated his kingdom, but there's going to be a consummation of his kingdom. We live in the tension of Christ's kingdom is here already, but it hasn't fully been consummated. And we live in that tension, but one day it will be consummated. We continue, it says, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So some angels stand beside them and they say, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you in heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The angels are like, listen, you saw his beauty. He's going away, but he's coming back. He's coming back. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's coming back. He will consummate his kingdom. And when he does, justice will be restored. Justice is elusive at times right now, but when our great king comes back, justice will be restored. Things will be made right, and he will be visibly sitting on his throne. This is not some fairy tale. This is actual truth. And the fact is, is 
it's not our place to have the last word. Jesus gets the last word. Amen to that. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Here's a spoiler alert, and I've said it many times. Guess what? We We win. We win in Jesus Christ. And we need to walk and live in that victory in Jesus Christ because Christ is coming back. He's on our side. So how do we do this? We need to expand our view of Christ. Our our view of Christ is this big and we need to expand it to this big. Anytime we come up against something in this life, we have to say, Christ is bigger than that. Christ is bigger than that. I lost my job. Christ is bigger than that. My marriage is not doing well. Christ is bigger than that. I just messed up for the one billionth time. Christ is bigger than that. Christ is bigger than that. We need to expand our view of who Jesus is. And find hope in the future return because it's real. It's part of our future. Listen, this car ride seems long at times. It's sweaty. It's miserable sometimes. But here's the thing about our our Yosemite trip. We're talking about Yosemite. And the kids are like, yeah, yeah. We looked at pictures. And it was like, yeah, this looks like a beautiful place. It wasn't totally bad in the car, but we were ready to go there. And when you go into Yosemite, there's a tunnel that you you go in. And it's, it's dark. And as soon as the tunnel opens up, you see Yosemite on display. And there's actually actual signs in the road that say, stay on the road, do not fall off the road. Because people look and then they just drive off the road. (laughs) And here's the thing, that's what we have waiting for us. We've been given a glimpse, but we have no clue really what it's like. We've been given a taste of it by the power of his Holy Spirit. And one day we'll be face to face with Jesus and it will make sense. And a sweaty car ride would be all worth it. <laughs> but some of you are on the verge of losing it. There's pain, and I understand that. There's pain of seeing loved ones suffer. There's pain of knowing that those that have taken something from you that you can never get back have not received the justice. You have not received justice for that. They have not been punished as far as you can see for that. And there's the sense of justice. And sometimes this produces this idea that God has forgotten about you or that this is all a waste, that this car ride is all a waste. Let me encourage you this in in this. Not one millisecond, not one millisecond is being wasted. And in fact, it is achieving an eternal weight of glory for you that will be revealed on the last day. So may God give us the grace of his fruitful patience while we wait. Let me pray. Oh, Father, we pray for patience. There's so much that goes on in our lives. There's so much that we endure. There's so many things that we don't have answers to. But we know that you want the best for us. You've proven that to us. So give us the patience. May we thrive by the power of your Holy Spirit and receive the fullness of your Spirit. May we actively pursue patience in you in our lives. We love you, Lord. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.